And the person interviewing me wrote those words down, looked up from his piece of paper and said to me, so do you think we're going to like that? Yeah, I, I do what I do today, Kathy, because of a fourth grade field trip. No credit to me, just me fumbling along with what I knew at the time and the dog being very forgiving of my mistakes. You know, it's funny. There are just some words I don't use. At least I've come not to use them in realizing just how extreme the actual meaning is. Words like hate, in particular. To hate something, to have such a loathing for it to the marrow of my bones that I can't find any way around to a thoughtful, reasonable perspective. I really don't hate things in my life. I might dislike them, I might be pissed off, I might disagree, but hate is such a wasted energy. Now, I had an interesting experience, of course, online this week, because it seems like people just behave, well, I used to say that people behaved poorly online and they had some semblance of civility in the real world, but that seems to be changing too. Anyway, the point of this week's podcast is around someone saying that they hate dogs. I know, I know, you might think that that would give rise to me seeing Red reaching through the internet and grabbing them by the face. But you'd be wrong, because this particular scenario led to a really interesting conversation and some thoughts about how the domestication of the dog actually does hold the key for maybe, just maybe, us being better people. So if you think haters are going to hate, this may not be the episode for you. But if you don't, grab some popcorn. Or maybe some dog biscuits. I'm Kathy Brooks, and this is Talk Unleashed. Must love dogs. Right? That's, you would imagine, if you know me for, oh, I don't know, 32 seconds, that... It would be a requirement that you love dogs to be in my life. What if I told you that wasn't true? Well, not true to the letter of it. Because here's the thing. Some people don't like dogs. Some people didn't grow up with dogs. Some people aren't comfortable with dogs. Some people are so deeply allergic that being around a dog can send them into anaphylaxis. That's enough to make you not really want to be around dogs. So why the topic today? So I found this meme that I guess in the old days you would have just called it a cartoon, but I guess it's a meme because it's on the internet and people are passing it around. But it's an image. It's a four-square cartoon, and the first is a guy sitting in the car with a girl, and you know he's driving, and he says, oh, look, a dog. And in the next frame she says, I hate dogs. And in the third frame, he gets kind of a serious look on his face. And in the fourth frame, you see him driving, smiling. And in the passenger seat where the girl used to be is a dog. And in the window, in the distance, in the background, you can see the woman outside the car, clearly having been kicked to the curb in lieu of a dog. Now, I posted it with a joke saying, you know, that the gender of the driver was obviously a miss since if I were driving the car, it would be a woman, not a man. But the point being, must love dogs. 
it's a pretty important qualification. I've got three dogs in my life, and they are part of my life. And if someone just doesn't like dogs, the likelihood that they're really going to like me, really like me for who I am and my lifestyle and that we're going to be a match is probably pretty slim anyway. But let's face it, you meet someone physically attracted to them. A lot of people play a lot of games and pretend a lot of bullshit for the name of, well, maybe they'll change their mind later. Maybe, maybe once we get into a relationship and they just see how awesome I am, they're going to change their mind. Well, I'll get to that point in a minute. But what's interesting is uh, someone who I know um, commented and said, you know, I used to be that woman. I hated dogs, but I've gotten to know them and now I like them. And so I posed a question to her. Now, did you hate them or were you just uncomfortable with them? Were you afraid of them? Had you had a bad experience? Because it it matters, right? If there's a reason. Because here's the thing. To just say categorically, quantifiably, right out of the gate, I hate dogs, it's the same thing as saying, to me at least, I hate kids. I mean, how can you hate kids? They're kids. Now, I can understand someone who says maybe they don't want kids in their life for whatever reason, or they're not comfortable around kids. Um, But to say I hate kids is kind of a dramatic and drastic statement for something that you're just not comfortable with. So I got really curious and and asked, so what's the reason underneath? Now, to be clear, at the recording of this, she has not responded yet. But a number of really interesting comments started coming up in, in the comments. Someone saying, you know, I used to think it was okay. You know, I, my partner, it's a male, gay male friend of mine. He said, my partner and I, we've got three dogs and I've just cut everyone out of my life who doesn't like dogs. I said, well, that seems a little extreme. What if they don't like dogs, but there's all sorts of other stuff about you that they like? Maybe they're friends that you only, you know, go out to the theater with. And so they never come to your house. And so they don't have to be around your dogs. I mean, it it just seems like such an extreme statement. I like dogs. You don't like dogs. Ergo, I don't like you. And then I started thinking about what a, what a statement that is really about the world that we live in. I was driving the other day and I passed a house and in the driveway was a sign that said, Biden sucks. Now, I could drive in many other parts of the country where I would see a sign that says Trump sucks or pick whomever from the opposing party. And I just find this rhetoric so exhausting and so utterly a waste of time. Why are we spending time just hating things? I mean, don't you think that's kind of silly? I mean, look, I don't particularly like lima beans, but I don't have a hatred for lima beans. I just I just don't eat them. I mean, personally, I think they're kind of disgusting. Most people I meet seem to agree with me that the lima bean on the spectrum of beans in the world is probably less liked than most. I've also met some people who think that lima beans are the greatest. Do I find their culinary taste perhaps a touch suspect? Maybe. Do I hate them for liking lima beans? Of course not. That would be ridiculous. 
So when I think about engaging with people who just disagree with me on something, it just, it seems such a colossal waste of time to be pointing a finger. The minute I start pointing a finger and saying, I hate you for X, or that's really stupid, or you're wrong for liking that, I become part of the problem. I become a big part of the problem. I've been engaged in a number of conversations in the last week, kind of dusting off some communications skills and really sharpening my saw in the coaching of conversation and communication um, with some groups of people who are having some friction. And one of the things that's been really interesting for me to see in this engagement is how deeply committed some people are to being right. Let's just say it's a quality I know very well myself. Oh man, the time that I have wasted absolutely needing to be right about something, usually needing to be right about how wrong someone else is. <laughs> it's exhausting and such a waste of time. And the only person that it hurts in the end is me. I mean, the person I disagree with or I think is wrong, they're just skipping on their merry way. They don't really give a shit what I think. And when I encounter a group of people who, who actually, in the big picture, have a common love for a specific thing, for a specific mission, vision, and purpose, they do have a common connection. Now, they're viewing that thing that is the common connection. They're viewing it from very different perspectives, and they're viewing it through very different lenses. And each group is so committed to their side of the story that they're just not willing to see that there's another view. They are so doubled down that they must be right and the other must be wrong. And that the party that's wrong must acknowledge that they're wrong, acknowledge that the other is right, and cede to the other person's authority. It is a zero-sum game. And it's happening everywhere. It's not just in this particular engagement where I've been involved. It's happening in almost every community everywhere. It's happening on a global scale. It's happening on a national scale, on a statewide scale, on a citywide scale. When I was struggling with the crime in the neighborhood around the Hydrant Club in downtown Las Vegas, everybody agrees that the neighborhood should be safer. Everybody agrees that the, the challenges of the housing displaced population get to be addressed in a more substantive and comprehensive way. Everyone agrees that there gets to be more support for small business, but nobody seems to want to agree to disagree on the way to get from point A to point B. Everybody wants it to be their way. Everybody wants their particular path and their particular purpose to be the thing that gets focused on. And what you have there in that situation, as they say in Cool Hand Luke, is a failure to communicate. And unfortunately, it creates complete stagnation. You've got everybody in the boat. Everybody's got an oar. Some people are smacking each other in the head with the oar. And other people are rowing in 
completely different directions. And so the boat is either spinning in circles, going backwards, or not moving at all. Here's the thing. It requires someone being willing to say, you know what? I may have been wrong in the way I approached this communication. Can we take a step back and take another run at it? I'd really like to hear your view and your view and your view. And how about we let everybody have a say of what their view of the situation is? It doesn't mean everybody's going to agree. A world where everybody agrees and everybody believes the same thing and everybody gets along. And it's, first of all, it would be boring as fuck. Second of all, it's a completely ridiculous, ludicrous, preposterous proposal. Because that's not how people work. It's not how the world works. Oh, it's certainly not how society works. It is the confusion, the complexity, the messiness. That's, that's life. But the mess doesn't have to be mayhem. Yes, there may be some chaos, but it doesn't have to be conflict or confusion or crisis. What it requires is an enormous amount of fortitude to take a deep breath and admit, you know what, I might have fucked up on this. Or wow, you know what, I was trying to communicate with you and I put my foot in it instead. Can we take another shot? Because I hear you, and I hear that you're not happy with how this situation's going. To see the look of, essentially, revelation on the faces of an incredibly smart, incredibly wise, and incredibly grounded group of people, it just tells me it doesn't matter how wise or how connected or grounded or spiritual or what have you a group may be. We're all still human. And in our innate humanness is a need to have some semblance of control over our environment. It's what helps people feel safe. And when people are uncomfortable, they don't behave well. Kind of like dogs. You know, it's funny. I've been for the last months, as you all know by now, on a pretty remarkable journey. I landed in my long-term destination of Virginia, Buckingham, Virginia, a town actually called, wait for it, Wingina. Yes, you heard me correctly. You did not hear me say what you think you heard me say. I said Wingina. It's about an hour and a half or so west and a drop south of Richmond, Virginia. It is beautiful, rolling hills, winding roads, lined with trees. All the trees are bare now, of course, it being the dead of winter. But it is peaceful. It's like my nerve endings have all been soothed with aloe in the last week. I got here, as I mentioned, just a tick over a week ago, a week ago Saturday, And immediately, within 24 hours, less actually of my arrival, a bunch of other friends arrived in town. And so the first four days or so were a bit crazy with lots of people here, and it was wonderful. I got to meet some people in person that I'd only known from online leadership training programs. Just amazing. 
And then the next several days, really, I've been settling in, finding out, you know, where's the post office? Where's the grocery store? Finding a vet, finding a groomer, all the things that a girl needs when she's living in the woods with her dogs. And as I'm just kind of letting myself really ground and settle in, I'm thinking about the journey that I've taken over the last weeks and the conversations that I've had and the people that I've met. And there isn't a single stop I had along the way from Phoenix to Albuquerque to Dallas to Baton Rouge to Tallahassee down to Boca Raton down to Miami, up to Melbourne, Florida, up to Charleston, and from Charleston here. There isn't a spot that I've been where I haven't had at least one conversation about this exact topic, this topic of accepting people for who they are without judgment and appreciating that even if my view, especially when my view differs from someone, The way to try to find some semblance of connection isn't to make them wrong, but to be curious. I've mentioned on the podcast before that it's actually been discovered in research on domestication, specifically domestication of the canine, that the key element, that which led the wolf to begin its journey of evolution to become the dog, the key element was curiosity. Curiosity in something other than self, something different, something that could be dangerous, but rather than running away from it in fear or attacking it with malice, that there was this curiosity. Now, granted, research also shows that there was likely a manipulative effort to it, wolf being hungry, seeing leftovers outside the cave since humans had around that time, gotten the handy-dandy elements of fire and projectile weapons. And so in that, we had large carcasses of creatures and things outside, and so the wolves were hungry, and rather than hunting, they could feed on our leftovers. And so the symbiosis began, as did the element of positive reinforcement. If I don't threaten the humans and I perhaps give a warning when I see danger approaching so the humans can defend themselves with their new projectile weapons, humans may throw me a bone, literally. And so this curiosity, this this innate sense of leaning into that which is different is the very thing that is at the heart of domestication. So now let's overlay that. Let's think about that just for a second when it comes to humans. We are, not dissimilar to the dog, innately designed to exist in groups, in families, in structured hierarchical organizations that have rules, roles, responsibilities, boundaries, leadership, all the things. We're innately designed for it. We are designed to be tribal. Problem is, tribalism has been weaponized against us. Now that makes it sound like a victim story and, oh, something's happening to us. But here's the thing. Nothing can happen to you that you don't let happen. You want to believe one media outlet or another and have that be the voice that tells you what is? Okay. That's your choice. But why would you allow one resource to tell you the penultimate answer to anything? 
because the truth is in the middle of all of the voices. I don't even watch the news anymore because most of it is a load of horseshit, and I can't stand, I can't stand the slant on everything. Are there outlets that lean a little more toward my personal beliefs than others? Of course there are. I find all of them repugnant, though. When I was at my mom's, the greatest joy is that the only thing we watched was the Hallmark Channel. I actually started to enjoy it. But this idea of the weaponization of tribalism, this idea that those who are different, what it does is it pulls away our curiosity, strips it right away. It takes away the very thing that domesticates us, the very thing that turns us from beasts into civilized humans, the very thing that lies at the heart of who we actually are. Because at the end of the day, I don't care where you were born, I don't care where you grew up, I don't care where your people are from. We're all essentially the same. Traces back far enough, there ain't that many roots from which to choose. Kind of like that with the dog, too. Only five or six naturally occurring lines of canid on the planet. We've made the rest of them. We've literally genetically engineered dogs so that now you have all of these breeds. It's like, I, I hate to break it to you, doodle owners. A doodle isn't a thing. It's a mutt, <laughs> just like most humans. Just like most humans. I mean, it's a mutt on purpose. It's genetically engineered. But I love when somebody's like, oh, my dog is an Australian doodle, and it's this, this, and it's like, yeah, somebody made a mutt on purpose. <laughs> oh, dear. I'd say I digress, but I think this is actually a good place for me to wrap it up, because here's the thing. When something is different and you're pointing at it as different and you're pointing at it as being, I don't like that, I hate that, here's my invitation. First of all, consider, do you actually hate it or are you just uncomfortable? And if you're just uncomfortable, is there room to shift? If not, okay, live and let live. But maybe, just maybe, you can change your mind. Here we are, the end of another episode. So sad. But it's not really, because there is an entire library of Talk Unleashed podcast episodes you can enjoy, and a whole bunch more yet to come. Make sure you don't miss any. Subscribe, follow, heck, set up a carrier pigeon network if you like. Whatever it takes, just make sure you don't miss any of these conversations. And since conversations do require dialogue, meaning two, meaning back and forth. I want to hear from you. Who would you like to hear from? What topics would you like to hear addressed? Drop a line to talkunleashed at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. In the meantime, thanks for listening. Catch you next week. Bye.